fourth chapter of Deuteronomy, the first nine verses. Uh, feel free to follow along in a Bible you brought yourself or one we have in the pew, or just be blessed by listening. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I have commanded you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Balpeor, for all the men who followed Balpeor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you, who held fast to the Lord your God, are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you do these, excuse me, do this in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this is a great nation, is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as the whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligent so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Father God, thank you for giving us your word, Lord, your instructions for life, uh, Lord, your instructions for salvation, and, and Lord, your instructions on how to navigate this, uh, this world which has, is, is, uh, is departed far from your word, Lord. I pray that each and every one of us would be diligent, Lord, to, to read your word, Lord, to follow it, Lord, and, to, and, and Lord, to seek a, a connection, a relationship with you so that we may be strengthened in order to be more obedient to you. And I pray that, that each and every one of us would experience, as I have, that the more I am obedient to your word, the more freedom I have. Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of your word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for our pastor, Steve, who loves you, who loves your word, and Lord, loves us, his flock. I pray that you would put in his heart and in his mind what he, you would have him teach us and help us to have ears to hear and take to heart uh, what we are being taught. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good to see you all here at Hope Bible Church. Beautiful day. This is the kind of day you like to bottle, right? Yesterday was absolutely amazing, but good to see you all. Good to see the new sanctuary here. 
Indeed, God has blessed us with Bethel. I was here on Thursday afternoon visiting Raphael. He was telling me what was going on and what was to come. And, and you know, they got, them, they got three or four really skilled workers. Then they had all these worker bees, these young 20-year-old or teenagers coming in here doing all this help and doing the cooking and everything else. It's just phenomenal. We really are blessed, you guys. I want to say that. These guys know what they're doing, and phase one's the AC, phase two is this sanctuary, phase three will be the bathrooms and kitchen, which will start after Easter, another month or so from now, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. So we are so blessed. Uh, we're seeing the blessing of, of, of the wisdom that God gave us to transfer this property way back in October, and so we are thankful. Indeed, God blessed them with a number of uh, financial donations from other peoples and stuff so they can do this, and so we are uh, just glad to be here. Today we're going to be going through Deuteronomy, some verses here. I'm really going to focus on chapter 8, but I want you to turn first to Deuteronomy 7. I want to read the first 11 verses just to get us our minds thinking about this section of, of, of God's Word here. Deuteronomy chapter 7, I'll just read the first 11 verses. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you're entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and stronger than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, hew down their ashram, and burn their graven images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of the Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. But repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment and the statutes and the judgments which I am commanding you today, commanding them you today to do them. Great verses. This is a, a great section of verses. This book of Deuteronomy. It's it's one of my top. In the Old Testament, probably one of my top two or three, this, Second Chronicles, and the book of, of Psalms. I, I love these books here. But I, let's, let's go now to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and let me just, a couple introductory things before we get into those verses there, is that we understand that God raised up Israel to be his people. He greatly loved them, not because they were godly people, but because he wanted to love them, and he wanted to make them godly. And he wanted to bless them. And when Israel was enslaved in Egypt, he rescued them. He redeemed them from this slavery. And then they went into the desert for these 40 years. And during that time, God led them. He loved them. He provided for them. He protected them. And he taught them 
is that time that God gave them commandments and sacrifices, instructing them exactly how they were to live for him. It's the end of their 40-year stay in the desert, and Israel, soon to be under Joshua's leadership, is getting ready to leave this desert to go into the promised land. But before that happens, Moses has some things he wants to tell them, remind them of how God wants them to live. He tells them that they'll enter the land and that God will enable them then to, to defeat their enemies. And he tells them that they need to be ones who are holy and obey God's commands. And then God will bless them. God will bless them as a nation. God will bless them as a people. And God will bless their land and their crops and their animals. And they're not, as we saw clearly from Deuteronomy 7, they're not to serve any other false gods at all, but Yahweh, the Lord God Almighty. And if they do that, then they'll be the most blessed nation in the whole face of the world. We go now to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Just a couple introductory things, and then we'll go into verse, verses 1, 2, and 3 for today. So Moses continues to tell the Israelites this message, these instructions from God and this chapter and, and the reason I like this chapter is it's a big picture chapter and it's for them it's for us and might we learn from this big picture chapter it talked about the Israelites and where they had come from and it talked about the Israelites and where they were going that they're going into the promised land it's like that verse in first Samuel 7 which says thus far the Lord has brought us and they're just moving then into this new land and so Moses then was telling them the kind of people that they needed to be, the character they needed to have for him then to, to bless them, for him then to uh, make them the kind of people he wanted them to be. And again, as I just mentioned, the main reason I'm going over those chapters is because you need to see the big picture for your life. Absolutely imperative that you learn how to back up and see where you've come from and where you're going and the kind of person that God wants you to be so you can be blessed in the way that God wants you to be blessed. We start then in verse 1. And we're just going to go through the first three verses. There's so much here that we need to look at today. Verse 1, all the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you should be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And so God then continues his instructions through Moses here to the Israelites, and right away he talks about his commandments. This word commandments or commands or some relationship to that word appears 41 times in the first eight books of Deuteronomy. So you see it's an important word. And this word commandments is to be uppermost, that is the commandments that God gives them, are to be uppermost in the minds of the Israelites. And let me say the application is very simple for us. The commandments of God are to be uppermost in our minds as well. There's no doubt about that. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're reading different verses here from Deuteronomy, and you'll see there's some differences, but some also similarities. Deuteronomy 6, just the first nine verses, I'll read them quickly. This is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply 
multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on the, your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Indeed, we see all this instruction that the Lord is giving to Moses and then to this people. And very simply, and this word careful appears a lot when you read Deuteronomy. They would be careful to obey God's commands, for that's the way they're to live their lives for God. So you think about that for yourself, application-wise, to be careful. You're to be careful to obey the commands that God has for you. And it says then if they were diligently, diligently kept them, God then would bless them. God would bless them. They'd live in a godly way. They'd be blessed. And what we see here is they'd be blessed both physically and spiritually. In our culture today, our Christian culture today, it's, there's a blessing of, of spiritual blessing. That's what God wants, but that's the primary blessing. It's not so much he wants to make us physically successful. That's not his purpose. And we understand they'd grow. They'd go into the land. They'd, they'd, they'd multiply. They would possess the land. They'd take the land and they'd be blessed in the land. And all this was based, you have to understand this, we go back 600 years to about 2050 B.C. Go back two, 600 years when God originally made, gave these promises to Abraham. You go to Genesis 12, first few verses. Then Genesis 13, there's more verses. Genesis 15, there's more verses. Genesis 17, there's more verses. Four sections. I'm not going to take time to read them. I believe they're on your notes there if you want to go read them sometimes. Four section of verses. All God telling Abraham, this is what I'm going to do for you. Basically the same message, but some variations, some expansion in each one of those sections. And of course others, as we read there in the text, to both his son and his grandson, Isaac, and, and to Jacob. He also promises. And this promise is found all over the Old Testament, this promise of how God wants to bless Israel. And so the lesson for all of us then is that we need to obey, know and obey God's commands. And this lesson, as we've seen, as Jeff read, as I've read in chapter 6 and chapter 7 here, this lesson about keeping God's commands is repeated time and time and time again in these chapters here. You can't miss it. For you to be a growing Christian, you need to know and obey God's commands. And it's not just a matter of keeping God's commands once in a while, right? You hear about the person, he goes to church once a week on Sunday. Well, I've done my duty. I've done my work as a Christian. I don't know if that person's really a Christian, if that's all he does for God, if you want to call that doing it for God. And so the point is, it's not just a matter of obeying God once in a while. That's it. Listen to this verse here. This Psalm 119, 44 sums it up as good as any verse. I will keep your laws continually, forever and ever. I'll keep your laws continually, forever and ever. What it says there, it tells you how often you should keep God's commands. And what's it say? Continually. What does that mean? Once a day? No, 
Twice a day? No. Continually. That's, that's God's standard. So that's how often, how long? Forever and ever. Do you understand that? As a Christian, you are sitting here today, and God's desire for you, for you to be blessed in the way he wants, is for you to keep his commands from this point on forever and ever. Of course, you know, in this life here, we're not perfect. <laughs> you know, we fail, we stumble, we all understand that. But the point, that should be our objective. That should be our desire. And that's what we should know in our mind and heart. That is the way to success. If you have problems in life, I'm really struggling, this is really hard, and I don't know why this is going on or why I got this trial. It may be that you're not doing something God wants you to do. And that's one of the first questions to ask yourself. Is there something, is there some particular command that I'm not obeying, that I know to do, that I'm not doing it? Or you might say, God, show me. Is there something I'm not doing that I, I should be doing? What is it? Why am I struggling? I'm not saying we won't have struggles or trials. That's pretty normal in life. But sometimes we struggle because we're disobedient. That's what I'm saying. And God wants you to catch yourself at that time, to understand that, to know that. So keeping God's commands then is how you please God, how you honor him, how you serve him. It's how you'll be blessed. It's how you'll be fruitful, how you'll be a successful Christian. We go then to the next verse, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. It says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. That's one loaded verse. And we could spend really weeks on that one verse. We're going to spend a few minutes here, a lot in this one verse. Let's, let's go through this. Important verse. First, we see that we're to think about the past. We talked about this, I think it was four weeks ago, we talked about how we're going to be thinking about the past, looking back and thinking about what God has done. There's that verse in, in Psalm 77, verse, was it 11? You're to remember the deeds of the Lord. You're to look back, okay? I mean, you all day long, but you are to take time to think back and look back and think what God has been doing. And specifically then to think about what he's been doing in and through your life or in the lives of ones that you know that you're close to. That's what you're to do. That one verse is so, I just love it. The phrase is this. You're to remember, quote, all the way which the Lord, your God, has led you. All the way. All the way. You're to remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you. You think about your life. You all have a life. You have a Christian life. You have a, you know, you're born someplace, live someplace. Think back. What has happened? What has been the journey that God has had you on? Psalm 103, 7. We talked about this a few weeks back. A great verse that God made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The acts of God refers to the specific works of God in your life. So you think back over this one week and you think, well, what particular things took place? Oh, I remember Tuesday night, that happened. Or Thursday morning, that happened. There's certain things that you remember, certain things you forget. But there's specific things that you want to think, God was doing that for me. God did that for me, or God did that for that friend of mine. God did that. That's For me, just like one was just being here Thursday afternoon with Raphael. Says, Whoa, this is really encouraging. That was an act of God. Okay, I saw what God was doing. It really, So that's important. But then there's also the ways of God. That refers to God's overall direction and plan and purpose for your life. Just two things. It says the Israelites just saw God doing things, but they didn't see the ways of God. And, of course, you know for us what God wants for us is to see, yes, the acts of God, but also the ways of God. It's like this. You put dots on a piece of paper, 
Okay, you all can do that. These represent the works of God. And then you connect those dots and you get a smooth, continuous line. That then is a picture of the ways of God. And that's what God wants you to learn how to do, connect the dots in your life and see the smooth, continuous way of God in your life. Got it? Okay, that's the first two points. There's two more to go here. We go then. God wants you to see his ways. He wants you to know what he's doing in your life, not that you know every detail. But again, today we're talking about the big picture. We're talking about your past, where you've come from. We're talking about then where you are going, and you need to be ones who are seeing that God is sovereign, that God is in charge. He is working in your life. He's doing what is good. And if you know God's ways, then you know God's character. That's the third point. From God's works to God's ways to God's character. You know God's works, God's ways, and you know his character. You know that he's loving and holy. You know that he is, he is good and wise, that he is sovereign, that he is powerful, and many, many more things besides that. Turn to Psalm 103. I want you to see how it says it here. Psalm 103, verse 7. And eight. It says in verse 7, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. What's verse 8 say? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. The point is, is if you know the ways of God, then you'll see the character of God. If you... Connect these dots. See the smooth, continuous, spiritual line of God in your life. And then you see the character of God. That's what will happen. If you know God's character, then what? Then you know God. That's it. You got it? Four points. These, these are some of the most important points of this message. And we could stop here and be done. You learn, hopefully, a fair amount of things. It'll help you the rest of the week and the rest of your life. Knowing the acts of God, knowing the ways of God, knowing the character of God, and knowing God himself. We read in 1 John chapter 2 about um, spiritual growth, and there's three stages of growth given there. There's, the, young, there's the, the children, there's the young men, and there's the fathers. And, and it's, John is just describing you know, spiritual growth, and he, he, he says some things. He's, you know what he says about the fathers? Well, I'll just read what he says. He says, I've written to you fathers because... You have known him who has been from the beginning. That's all it says. Well, that's not much. What do you mean that's not much? That's powerful. You see what he's saying? This father knows the acts of God. He knows the ways of God, the character of God, and he knows God. That's a mature Christian. A mature Christian understands this four-stage process that I have said here. That's, that's what we are talking about. Turn to Jeremiah 9. This this kind of thing is stated different places. This is Jeremiah. End of the chapter, verses 23 and 24. And of course, verse 23 talks about the world. 24 talks about what God wants for believers. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. You see that in the world, right? The mighty man boasts of his might. You see that in the world. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. Big three. Let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, 
that I'm the Lord who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. And so, bottom line, main thing to boast, that you know the Lord. That's what Paul said, Philippians, remember that verse, Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. And that should be your prayer. That should be a prayer every day of the week. Lord, I want to know you. I really want to know you. Not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge. That's what I want. That should be our heart prayer. We go back down to Deuteronomy, back to verse 8, chapter 8, verse 2. And again, there's more here we need to look at, a lot more. I want to read it again. It says, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So for 40 years, God was leading his people in the desert, and he was leading them every step of the way. God had plans for the Israelites. He knew exactly what he was doing with their lives. Big picture is what? You go back in your life, let's go back to when you became a believer, whether it was 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. God had plans, and God still has plans. God is the one who's involved intimately in your life, whether you realize it or not. God has plans. And we also, and I like this, he physically led them. How do you lead them? How do you lead them at night? By what? By fire. How do you lead them by day? By cloud. Fire by night, cloud by day. So the the cloud would stay there, you know, during the day, they'd stay there. The fire would stay there at night, they'd stay there. The fire started moving, said, hey, we got to go. We got to follow where that fire, that cloud is leading us. Now, number 33 tells us the very specific ways that God led his people. Their, their exact route. And, and to the Israelites, it, 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 I, I can't help but think to many, they thought this is a strange roundabout route that we are on but it was the plans that God had for them. You have to see this chapter. I want you to turn to do Numbers chapter 33, and you'll see this, because this illustration is so important for your own life. Your own life. Numbers 33. That's going to read a little bit, because it gets a little bit repetition here. You'll see that in a minute. Verse 1, these are the journeys of the sons of Israel by which they came out from the land of Egypt by their armies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses recorded their starting places according to their journeys by the command of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their starting places. So, these are their journeys according to their starting places. That's what he says. They journeyed from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. Then, then we skip through um, verse 5. Then the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses and camped in Succoth. They journeyed from Succoth and camped in Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. They journeyed from Etham and turned back to Pharaoh which faces Bel-Zephon, and they camp before Magdol, and they go on, and it goes on, and on, and on. And I believe, I think I counted, I think there's 40 different stages in this journey. And, and, and the idea, one idea is this. You think about your life. You're on a journey. You've heard about that. You know, my, my life's a journey. I, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it. And there's stages in your journey, you know? You're all on a stage right now. You're on a particular stage of the journey that God has for you. Different stages before, different stages. That's the way it is. It's, and it's sort of interesting to see, you know, because sometimes we're in a particular stage, and God, I don't like this stage. Well, this is where he's got you, okay? I like that stage from 10 years ago, <laughs> you know? Or can you do something? Can you change it? Well, God's got you in different stages, okay? You can look at this in a minute way or more of a big picture. In fact, I was thinking of the, this is a, I'll, I'll segue to this example, but the songs we had today, 
Okay, the second song was which one? Remember which one? Colossians, okay? Who wrote that song? Steve Altman from this church, okay? Fourth, fourth song was what? It was Daniel. Who wrote that song? Brad Meyer, good friend of mine from Ames. And the fifth song, Jeremiah, who wrote that? Dennis Clark, friend of mine from up in the church in Maryland. I've been in Ames, I've been in Maryland, and now I'm in Florida. That's big picture journey stuff. You see what I'm saying? You're on journey. And here, you go through this, and it's probably good just to read it sometimes. God has you on a journey, and God is moving you, whether you realize it or not. And so, again, understand you're on a journey, you're heading. On one hand, you could say to the promised land, okay? Some people look at heaven as being the promised land. That's not a bad way saying, hey, we're in the desert right now. That might be a good way to categorize our lives at times, too, even though God indeed blesses us greatly in many ways, but sometimes we struggle a lot. Anyway, God knew the precise and perfect plans that he had for his people, and day after day and year after year, and for 40 years in, he was, he was amazingly and faithfully leading his people and the ways that he wanted them to go. That's what was taking place, okay? And again, you may wonder, you may wonder what God's doing in your life. And sometimes we just don't know. You know, I, I've shared this verse many times. The Proverbs 20, 24 verse, the steps of man are ordained by the Lord. How then can any man understand his way? Whether the Israelites are out in the desert, you're in your life. I don't know what's going on. I mean, you sort of know some things, but sometimes things are confusing. Sometimes things are clear. And that verse, Proverbs 20, verse is a good verse when there's sort of a lack of clarity, okay? It's a good verse to say, well, I don't know what's going on, but God does, and that's what's most important. He will lead. And so you may wonder, but you need to believe. It's by faith. You need to believe that God is sovereignly and wisely leading you in the plans and the paths he has for you. And you must trust God then, for he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And that was a problem the Israelites had. They weren't trusting God. Psalm 32, 8, I will lead you in the way that you should go. Psalm 23, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Psalm 143, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So please understand that God is, is one. He is leading you. And so as you look back, as you think over the last 20, 30, 40 years of your life, you, you get an idea then of how God's been leading you, okay? You, you'll get an idea, and hopefully you're connecting dots, and you're seeing this smooth, continuous line, and you're seeing the character, ways of God and the character of God, and you're seeing God himself. And that should encourage you then as you look back should be encouraged and should cause you then, should move you then to thank God and praise God for, indeed, what he is doing. I, I was thinking about this in about another two weeks. There's a, I think it's March, not sure, 10th or 11th, 12th. But it was, it was 1979, March of 79, when I became, I recognized as a pastor. I says, wow, 45 years. What a journey. What a journey. But I look back and I think, well, this is very encouraging. This is really encouraging to think how God has led through the years from Ames to Maryland to down here. It's, it's just a blessing. And then with a wife along the way for many of those years, most of those years, and children and, and you all. In fact, I, I was going to say this, I'll say it now. So I've been here, we've been here, Marsh and I and our children and our cat and our dog, we came 25 years ago on the 24th of February, which was yesterday. So 25 years, wow. Now, it actually happened on to be a Wednesday. As it, it was, I'll never forget it. We were in 4022 Delbrook. That's where we moved in. It was an apartment that somebody from this church found for us a house. Not a house. Not, yeah, it wasn't an apartment. It was a house. 
it was a house, okay? And, and we were there, and Giovanni and Sally were there, and, and, and Janet was there, and they had some kind of Spanish food for us. <laughs> it was a good time. That's when I met Giovanni, Sally, and, and, and Janet, and others. It was 25 years ago. I think, wow, this is, this is really something. And so you think about God's plans. Now let's move to this next thought here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. But you think about God's plans for your life, and you're going to be thinking about the places you've been and the people you've seen. You're thinking about the things that you've done. But you must. It's not just a matter of thinking, oh, what's going on? There's something else that is very, very important to understand. Not just a matter of these things that happen and the ways of God. You must understand that what was going on, that God was working in your life through those years, right? On a journey. And what's the journey? One aspect of the journey is God's been humbling you as you went through all these things that happened. God's been humbling you. And being humble is absolutely foundational, essential, necessary for your life as a Christian. And God wanted the Israelites to be humble. They didn't do so good, to be honest. And God wants each of us and every Christian to be humble. That's what he's doing. So on this journey you've been on, God's been humbling you. Okay? God's been humbling you. That's, that's, that's what's happening, okay? The word humble actually means to be low-lying, to be bowed down. It means that you realize that you're weak and you're needy, that, 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 that you see your inability. But it doesn't just mean that you see your weakness, your inability. It means that you see God's strength, you see God's ability. And with that, you see that God wants to help you and that God can help you. And being humble then, the full de definition of humility means you're trusting God instead of you're trusting yourself. You're seeing your weakness and you're seeing God's strength and you're trusting God then to give you the strength that you need, whatever the situation might be. That's what we're saying. We're saying here. But it also means, and that's what we got to see this here. We talk here about these commandments not just a matter of trusting God, it's trusting God's word, and it's obeying God's word. So humility, you talk about humility, you see your need, you see the strength of God, you see the word he gives you, you trust what he says, and you obey what he says. That's, that's what we're saying. Turn to Habakkuk. I was never, never good. I, sh I should figure out exactly where they're at. I, these minor prophets... For many believers are, uh, where is Habakkuk? Habakkuk. We're going to Habakkuk 2.4. Okay, there it is. It's towards the end. Back at 2.4. We're talking about trusting in God and trusting in God's word. And 2.4 says this. It says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. So you see two words here that you have to understand what's going on. The word pride and the words faith, okay? Pride and faith. So what's, what's, what's God want us to know? Simply this. The proud person doesn't have faith. Proud person does not have faith. He is trusting himself. He doesn't see that he needs God. He doesn't need God's word. That's what's going on, okay? He doesn't think he needs God. And so he trusts himself. That's one simple way to look at what a proud person is like. He's trusting himself. And let me say something. 
Even as Christians, we do that a lot more than we realize. We're trusting ourselves. We're trusting ourselves. We have to trust God. That's what he wants for us. Humble person that looks to God. And he looks to God's word. And he obeys God. That's what we're saying. Humble person knows he needs God. He knows he needs God's help and strength and guidance. And he knows he needs God's word. And the whole Bible gives examples of people, of people then who were humble and knew they needed God, needed God's word. You go back to to Hebrews 11. it's, It's about men and, and women who had faith and hope, but faith is the main point there. If they had faith, that meant they were humble, right? That's right. You connect faith with humility. You put them together. That's what we're saying here at this time. Faith and humility go together. You go back to, to Numbers 12, and, and it says of Moses, the most humble man on the face of the earth at that time was Moses. And, of course, Moses is right, he's writing this Pentateuch. He's writing Deuteronomy. You know, says, hey, you need humility, and he'd been there. He knew what it meant to be humble, you know, leading these two million people through the desert, and they were, they were a strange lot. I mean, they were tough to, tough to get along with. They were really quite rebellious and wanted to kill him and Aaron. It was just a rough time. Indeed, he was humble. You have Abraham, too. He was humble. Genesis 15, 6 says, Abraham believed God's word and reckoned it to Abraham, and God reckoned it to Abraham as righteousness. Here's God telling Abraham to go this certain place, and Abraham humbled himself and did. And Hebrews 11, 8, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. I don't know if I told you this or not. That verse right there, um, that verse is, is, is one of the main verses that God used to get me and my wife and family to move down here. He says, okay, I was called, obeyed, Going out to a place which he was given to receive inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Okay, I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, not the layout of the people or you or, or all that was going to happen or all kinds of things. We don't always know when God leads us. But the point is, is here we have Abraham. He was humble. He obeyed God's commands. And even though you know the story about how God says, hey, I want you to kill your own son, and he killed he was willing to kill him by faith because he believed that God was good and that God would work this out, and God did. We know the story. Okay, so back to Deuteronomy. Chapter 8, verse 2. I'm going to read this again. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. You see how humble you and testing you are right side by side? You see that? There's a connection. Connection. God tests you to humble you. That's what we're saying, okay? That's all. And God was humbling the Israelites for 40 years. And I will say this too for your Christian life, God's been humbling you your entire life. Christian life. Sometimes you know it. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's not so bad, if I can say it that way in quotes. Sometimes, oh, I hate this. I don't like this trial. God, why don't you get rid of this? I mean, you can feel that way. I'm, I'm human. Lord, I don't like this one. I don't like this part of the journey. He's humble you, humbling you, and he is testing you. That is what he is doing. And why? It says to know what was in their hearts 
to know what was in your heart, but really, because God knows everything, is really so they could know what was in their own heart. He was humbling them. God humbles you so you can see what's in your own life. God was humbling Israelites so they could see their sin, their need, their need for God, their need to look to God, their need to trust God in his word. Instead of trusting themselves, God humbles us because we're going the wrong way. He says, hey, don't you realize you're on the wrong track? I'm going to humble you to wake you up, get you looking to me and to, to the word. And that, that, that's, that's what you need. Turn to James 1. These are as many good verses on this point here, but th these are very, maybe some of the best. The James 1, 2, and then 9. 1, 2, and 3. James 1, right off the book of Hebrews. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. See how it equates it? You know, you're encountering trials. Your faith is being tested. You're being tested, and your faith is being tested. And you go to verse 9. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. So the brother of humble circumstances, and what we understand is quite simple, is a, another way to define a trial is it's a humbling circumstance some particular circumstance, some kind of situation, whatever it is, you're being, you're being humbled, okay? You're being humbled so you look to God, so you trust him. And there are all kinds of trials. You have, there's personal trials. You have things going on in your thinking or your life or your body that nobody else knows about. Or maybe if you married your spouse or one person, but you know, personal trials. There's people trials, right? You all have people trials, trials with other people, relational trials, family trials, marriage trials, financial trials, car trials, house trials, health trials, etc., etc., etc. Okay, all of you probably have one of those at least right now going on, okay? Something's going on. That's what it is. God does it. Why? Because he always wants you to be humble. God always wants you to be humble. Not that he's always putting you through some trial, but he always wants you to be humble. In fact, the verse in Oh, where is it? Yeah, someplace. Uh, maybe it's, um, is it James 4.10, 1 Peter 5. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. The, the, the point being, and I, I, this is another whole subject, I don't want to get into it, but, but it's very relevant, is that God humbles you, but you're also to humble yourself. And there's probably, I could give you ten different ways you can humble yourself. Everything from singing a song to, you know, confessing your sin to serving somebody. The point is you're to humble yourself. That is, God will humble you, but you're also to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what he wants you to do, okay? And so humble, God gives trials to humble you so you look to God in his word. One, two verses here I like in this. Psalm 119, in verses 67, 71. 67. 11967, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. When you go to the Greek Septuagint, again, the Greek Septuagint was written about 200 B.C. It was the Old Testament, you know, translated into the Greek. And when you look at the Greek word for afflicted, which word do you think it is? What have we been talking about here? Before I was H-U-M. Before I was humbled. The Greek word in the Greek Septuagint for afflicted is humble. Before I was humbled, I went astray. Now I keep your word. You see? 
You're humble. You're going astray, number one. Two, you're humbled. Three, you keep his word. That's a goal. That, that happens all the time. All the time. You're going astray. You're humbled. And you, then hopefully you keep his word. Verse 71, similar. It's good for me that I was afflicted. You like that one? It's good that I'm humbled, that I might learn your statutes. Again, it relates to humility, relates to the word, relates to faith. That's what God wants you to see. We continue Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. A few more thoughts here. 8, 3. He humbled you, let you be hungry, fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that she might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. The, the, the central verse is verse 2, but verse 3 is sort of explaining that some more, okay? We see that the Israelites were humbled. And how did he humble them? By letting them be hungry. That's what it was, by being hungry. It was a physical test, a physical trial to teach them a spiritual lesson. Get it? A physical test. Real basic. God, we need food. It was to humble them, not just so they got the food, but so they would learn to look to God and trust God. That's the point. That's the point here, okay? You go to, I'm not going to look at it, but another, another section that sort of relates, and you could look at it in your own time, is Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. It talks about why are you guys worried about food and clothes and drink, you know, things to wear. Why are you, why are you worried? And right there in the middle, it says, oh, you have little faith. You're not trusting me. And so if we as Christians aren't past that point, we're, we're really young Christians. If you keep worrying about things like money and food and clothes, and God wants you to grow up. Learn to trust him. Those are basic things. That's what Matthew 6, 25 to 34 is about, to get beyond those basic things. So back to Deuteronomy 8, God gave them manna, gave them all the bread, the physical food they needed so that they would learn then not to trust themselves or trust somebody else, but trust God himself. That's what we're talking about. They're to trust God, and specifically, they're to trust what God said. They're to take God at his word when he said that he would provide for them. And every day then, they're to believe God's word. You know the verse in Matthew 6? Was it 10 or 11? 11, I think. What's it say? Give us this day our daily bread. And, and really, we should think of that every day as, thank you, God. We, we, we take for granted the fact that we have food in our, our shelves. There's many people, and you know this around the world, that <laughs> they're not going to always have food. Okay, we're, we're, we're blessed with that. So they're to believe God, trust God. But the point is that God lets you get hungry. God humbles you. God lets you then go through trials so that you go to him and you go to his word. And as you trust God and obey God, then he will come through for you. Turn to Jeremiah 17. There's, there's all kinds of verses on faith, and these are some classic ones, ones I really like. Jeremiah 17. I mean, we're talking about basic lessons today. Are you Learning to obey God's commands. Are you learning to walk by faith? Are you understanding what it means when you're being humbled? John 17, Jeremiah 17, 5, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. 
He'll be like a bush in the desert, will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. And so you, you see what this is saying here? We're going to walk by faith. And walking by faith means you to live your life by following everything that proceeds then out of the mouth of the Lord. That's what we see in those verses there in Deuteronomy. So a Christian then, you need God's word, and you need the entire word of God. And, and I hope you have a habit. I mean, we are so blessed to have God's word in abundance. I hope you have a, a habit of every day reading the word of God. I mean, they're just, I, I just, this is last week, they're just, I was reading some things in, in 2 Samuel 6. 6, that was really good. And 2 Samuel 7 was phenomenal. And then there's 2 Samuel 8. I really like that. And 2 Samuel 9 has some interesting lessons. And today was 2 Samuel 10, along with Psalms. And I'm also in Romans. They're just good stuff. It's just rich, the food. That's what God has for you. As a Christian, then you need the entire word of God. I'm not going to read it here now, but Psalm 119. Read the first eight verses of that chapter sometime. Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus tells us to Satan, man shall not live in bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Again, comes from that Deuteronomy section there. And again, God's telling us that the way we are to live our lives as Christians by the very word of God and by the entire word of God. And God's word tells us exactly how he wants to live. And when I say how to live, I'm just talking about spiritually. He doesn't talk about construction, how to build a sanctuary. He doesn't talk about, you know, how to fix a car or, you know, do accounting. Everything, though, that you need to know spiritually as a Christian, God has for you in the Word. That's what you need to understand. So we see then the importance of God's Word, the centrality of God's Word, the sufficiency of God's Word, and the supremacy of God's Word. So, so important. I would encourage you this coming week to read all of Deuteronomy 8. We're going to work through it two more weeks. Uh, so we're going to go through this. But again, I really believe it's, it's, a, it's a key chapter for your life. Uh, my, my goal was to have a, 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 just an important chapter like that. That's what I'm going to do, a big picture chapter, help you to see the entirety of your life, where you've come from and where you're going and how God wants to bless, along with warnings, too. We'll get to that, too, in the next couple of weeks. But let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for bringing us here together. Thank you for your love for us, your kindness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the fellowship that, we, that you give us and the commandments, Lord, and the promises as well. We need prom, promises and commands. And, and we also want to thank you, Father, for the journeys that we are on. We all can look back and think back through our years, whether it's a few years or 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, long time. could be a long time, Lord. We just thank you for the journey you have us on and help us, Lord, to keep looking to you, to not get off track, but to keep trusting you and and, and be thankful for the past and be believing you for the future. That's what we ask. But thank you so too for Bethel and their lives, their hearts. It's not just a matter of they're doing some physical work. That's good. But they have a heart for you, that heart for the Lord. And I know you've given that to us as well. So keep us going. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Use us, Father, for all the purposes and plans you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.